tell me, how is your relationship with your mother? I mean, are you a professional? I mean, I guess you're right. I'm not a professional. But you know what? I mean, what's wrong with asking those kind of questions? You know, you're right. I never really thought about that. We all have emotions. Why do we look to professionals to tell our emotions to? I think that's true. Maybe we should start a podcast about it. Well, how do we start a podcast? Bring people on, have them share their experiences, and share those experiences with the world. Well, you know, that's a good point. So I guess the more important question is... How do you feel? Um, all right, well, <clears throat> here we are. Here we are. We're here. <laughs> Where are, <laughs> are we? we? Are we like starting our podcast yeah, right now? Yeah, this is, it's, you're supposed to go about it the natural way. Oh, well, this is too natural. This is too natural? <laughs> this is paint, too natural. Paint, I need paint a starting the, point. Just kidding. Paint the listeners a picture. Where of this of this uh environment well okay i didn't really want to start at that i wanted to start more of like uh okay. welcome to our listeners first of all uh we're here talking for our emotions um to learn about everyone's emotions um we have these ideologies that emotions can make a big difference and with each different episode you'll kind of learn how it works out that way um but what are what a better way to start a podcast than to learn about your hosts themselves. So uh, to put you on the spot, Evan, Let's do, just you, go. do you remember when me and you first met? That's crazy. Do, I was do thinking you about... have a memory of how we first met? Is this a test or is this it, a, I mean, an honest question? Do you it's know the a, answer, though? I, I don't really know the answer. I have like my own idea on how I think we met. I have like just <laughs> to, brief I memories. Guess tell the audience like how long it's been that we've yeah. known each other. Um. Well, yeah, first of all, just to add on to what you're saying, like, uh, we definitely think this is an important thing to talk about and uh, stoked to be able to make a podcast about it. I think it's the perfect uh, format to go about talking about these things and um, getting the word out there, because originally we talked about doing a documentary around all these current events and everything going on, um, and that just comes with its own slew of production uh responsibilities and requirements and so we figured for the time and for like the effort we were able to put into it right now the podcast was the perfect thing so um i agree i think this is the perfect way to start it and uh talk about something as profound profoundly simple yet complex as emotions i think it's going to be i think it's going to be something really interesting and yeah i i think uh as far as how we met and how uh this podcast even came to be i guess it really starts in kindergarten right was it no. kindergarten or first grade? Ah, wrong. <laughs> it was okay, that was my first thing. Like Trump impression. Wrong. Wrong. Um, no, first grade. Okay. I wasn't even at Talent Elementary in kindergarten, so it was okay. first grade. Okay, first grade. My bad. <laughs> um, so I guess I guess our connection isn't that deeply rooted. Then. <laughs> um, I, for so okay, so for some Miss Layers class. Miss Layers class. We had her first and second, right? First grade. Yeah, first and second grade. The first memory that I think I have of you is uh, I've moved from a kindergarten school to Talent Elementary School. Me and you had the first class together, and I remember like you and George mm -hmm. playing on the swings or something, and I just I wanted to come join. I, for some reason, that's the memory that pops. That's crazy. Up. That that's all I got. 
Um, I yeah, remember I mean, how I made friends with Tyler Phillips, though. Really? He, he let me cut him in line, and we were best friends after that. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a good story. Yeah. Tyler Phillips. That's, that's like so funny. That, what, at the lunch a, line or recess going out? it was out? like recess line. Because you had like to make a line. Said to line up, and we we're like next to each other, like, oh. Isn't it crazy to think about like how we were treated like <laughs> animals <laughs> as children? Like That's just how teachers have to do it to I establish to order and, up little kids yeah. yeah like stand in line and then i remember standing there for like three minutes waiting and like the angst <laughs> is just like the dogs at the door well, now and that's, okay yeah so if we're going based off of our podcast which is all going to be based off of emotions i think that that's a really cool timestamp, at least for me and the tyler phillips situation mm-hmm. is that like kids really want to rush into recess like it's a fun time for them so then Someone to just take a second and be like, oh, yeah, if you're so excited, you can go ahead of me in line. Yeah. Like, not many kids do that. That's a big deal, And yeah. so, like, that was, like, best friend moment. It was like, hmm. oh, my gosh, if this kid really cares about, you know, me going to recess, mm-hmm. like, we're buddies. Yeah, I and remember. And I think at uh, such a young age, like, we have these connections with people. Yeah. And for sure i guess we're not taught to build on them as much no but i think a lot of it comes like instinctually like you said like you just you guys just kind of became friends from that one interaction like yeah yeah exactly you know, and it's it's actually so simple when you think about it that we could create friendships with anyone in our society based off of that like oh i see you want something let me help you get it yeah and it's quite as simple as that yeah um, but like something happens along the way to like where you just become less innocent or more assuming or I don't definitely. know. Definitely, we'll get to it. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely think in later podcasts we'll go into more um, in depth with uh, the society and the rules and the, I guess the events that led us to believe certain things that we do believe in the way we act. Yeah. Um, but for this first kind of podcast. Uh, me and Evan just decided that we were going to let you guys in, the audience, on just kind of the brainstorming process. Mm-hmm. This is our first podcast. We kind of sat down, and like Evan was talking about, based off of current events, where we are right today is uh, July 8th of 2020, and which is probably like ooh, a month after the George Floyd events. I think it's been longer. I think it feels like that but i remember hearing like it's now been three weeks and it felt like it had been five days in the news so yeah exactly so but with emotions flared up so much i think that that's also an important thing to kind of focus on is some people perceive it as just happening and some people are like oh why is it still dragging on Mm. but to kind of go back to the original idea is i myself was sitting here watching people on facebook uh, social medias, uh, the news, and just hearing people talking in the streets mm-hmm. and just seeing how reactionary people were out of emotion, whether mm-hmm. it be the protests and turning On both into sides. riots. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And getting angry because they were made- so emotional. And they have every right to be emotional, but it, it took control. And then yeah. you have the other side, the, the pro-cops movement that are either you know, hating on rioters or driving through protesters because they've been pushed to a tipping point, which is also emotions. And I was watching all of these emotional flare ups mm-hmm. and I just, I had to do something yeah. about it. I had to talk about it in some way. And I remember just thinking like, Ooh, everybody loves documentaries. Like 
it, we're in a day and age now where I feel like documentaries almost used to be nerdy when we were growing up, it's true. but now it's like it's socially acceptable. They're more entertaining. Netflix puts out their own um, documentaries right. that are super entertaining, and I was like, man, that would be a really fun business to kind of get into to also speak my mind. Yeah. And you were the first person that came to mind with your videography and everything that we've done as far mm-hmm. as our funny projects in high school too. Yeah. And so we'll that's when I that asked too. you about it and I didn't even know how you felt at the time. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I'm always looking for those kind of things and I agree with you that documentary I think is such a, such a powerful tool nowadays and such a unique kind of art form because it's, um, it's nonfiction at its heart, which is what a lot of people tended to find boring like why would you just go out and you know try to find a story when you could just make one up was the uh, longest running thing uh, for a while um, but when I was in school I we actually looked at graphs of trends of different movie types and like you see action adventure and like the western like had its peak and now it's completely dead <laughs> and then but documentary like starting in the 90s just took off just completely so that visual always comes to mind when I'm thinking about these kind of topics and how much more people care. Like people tend to want transparency now too. Um, and so Which I think we don't seem to get, yeah, we in don't a lot seem of to, ways, even if you know, you're going off of the documentaries that Netflix puts out or you're going off of news stories that should be transparent or politicians that should be transparent. Mm-hmm. We're almost more angry because they're not, they're yeah. just entertaining at this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, yeah, I mean, all those things, I guess, uh, this all led up this podcast. Yeah, definitely had its roots in all of these current events, everything going on now. Um, and as far as our upbringing and, um, friendship from early on, I mean, yeah, it started in first and second grade for sure. Um, it's like earliest memory. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Specific memory. What is your earliest memory of, of me as a person? <laughs> I mean, I remember, uh, I remember like we were for like the vocab lists, they like, they broke it up into three different groups. I remember we were usually in the higher list, like vocab words were kind of easier for us. That brings up another memory that I'll have to talk about afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Off, off the air. But, um, yeah, like I remember it was us and then like maybe George too, honestly. Yeah. I remember a couple other people for some reason. I don't, I have no idea what happened to George. Did he like move to the coast or something? He did a long time ago. That was in like after fourth or fifth grade. And we were like last name, George George, King, George who King, King, George King. If you're listening to this, like reach out to us, man. (laughs) Um, he's on Facebook. He hit me up a couple of years ago and reached out to me. He's like, Hey, I haven't been a long time. And it was the same thing for me. I had no idea what happened to him. And I remembered (laughs) looking for him for a while on Facebook and couldn't find anything. But then, he reached out to me and he lives here in Medford now. Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure. Um, I can't remember where he works, but um, yeah, he reached out to we me. We can talk about He's that around. on our own time. We'll bring our him in, our yeah. audience is like, get through with it, man. <laughs> but yeah, uh, earliest memory. Um, man, I'm trying to think of a specific memory, but I just can't. I just remember kind of all of us, you know, just sort of hanging out and... Hanging out and playing. Yeah, just like I don't playing even, Yeah, I don't remember it. like what we were even playing, but... I think that that's, you know, going into the podcast idea, the emotions of it, just the playing in general was the connection. It didn't matter what we were playing per se, it was just that everyone was having fun. For sure. And I will say like from an early age, like I felt like we were always kind of on a similar wavelength of 
like ideas and maybe just level of conversation like we had similar type of humor i would say and then um you know like back in elementary school like if you were fast you were one of the cool kids too (laughs) and i used to be kind of fast like that was my only thing yeah um back then because i certainly didn't have the height um or the (laughs) or the extroverted (laughs) tendencies yeah still don't um even compared to some elementary school kids but uh yeah that was like definitely the impression i got from you from early on and like you were easy to talk to too like there's other kids who are like the popular kids as you describe and like i just always had a hesitation trying to approach them or trying to like force myself to fit in in that way um but you weren't like that at all like you could definitely walk between worlds though like you were somebody that i could um, oh man that's so weird to think about too because um me and shane obviously you know shane we all grew up together and all that that he says the same thing that he's like, man, you've always been just so extroverted. Mm-hmm. And I never saw myself in that light. I, I've always been a shy person and like going mm. to, through the themes of emotion. Like I've always been super shy. Mm. I've never wanted to approach people. I, yeah. I like when people start conversations, mm-hmm. but then something clicked around high school where it's just like, I realize that I need to be that my happiness stems from connection with other people. And so if I want that, that I should be the one to start it. I should be the one to at least get the ball rolling. If Mm -hmm. that's something that I want. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can be a shy extrovert or an extrovert with social anxiety. And and I'm realizing that that's what I am now after, you know, the stereotypical extrovert that we think of is the center of attention. They're the person that, yeah, they're the class clown. They're the loud person. They're the person that's always joking and like getting attention on them. Right. And while I feel like I am, naturally communicative and love that feeling of connection i was like no nah, i'm not an introvert because i don't need to be the in the limelight i just need to be not an extrovert with, you mean yeah yeah, oh, yeah in extrovert i just need to be in good company mm-hmm. and yeah the more and more that i look at it i'm starting to realize that you can be an extrovert you can thrive on external energies which is kind of where i feel extrovert should be Mm -hmm. now as like a definition yeah and that's how i've heard it described it's not so much like what your um what your temperament is yeah but more more what like refuels you like interaction does that refuel you or like your own headspace and time to yourself does that refuel you yeah definitely and um i was at a party uh maybe about a year or two ago and I was doing the same thing I always do, just going and talking and meeting new people and just thriving on like talking and hanging out and meeting really awesome people that can contribute to really awesome conversation as well. Mm-hmm. And then I just found myself like I didn't need to go to the bathroom. I didn't need to use the bathroom, but I found myself at one point just like going to the bathroom taking a breath like okay like (laughs) this is this is a lot i'm putting a lot of energy into this and then i just needed a second to decompress and then go back Mm -hmm. so it's those moments where i was like no i've been an introvert my whole life like Mm -hmm. i need to decompress from Hmm. from company i guess yeah Yeah, i think there's definitely some holes in that in that whole theory like that could be another episode for sure in itself like the whole myers-briggs 
spectrum between introvert extrovert like everyone says it's a spectrum but like i feel like there's so many times when there's direct crossover like i feel like there has to be people out there who recharge both both in both ways like they recharge well and we're humans like we all value human connection towards another exactly. person so nobody That's can 100% be a true percent natural yeah like so no one can far be a, side. a true introvert like you just said but at the same time we do value our privacy mm-hmm. maybe that's just us raised as americans mm-hmm. but we do value like independence and privacy and freedom don't and forget that me time and as you kind of keep listening to the podcast audience you'll realize that like me time and self-love is super important with understanding your emotions for in the first place yeah. yeah and that's like we're average joes we're not scientists we're yeah you know we've got done our little bit of schooling but, but yeah the, ultimately I mean, the reason, we're just normal ass people yeah and i think the reason we're doing all this is to so that we can have the opportunity to talk to people from different backgrounds as much as possible and get that sense of like what what recharges them or like what is their outlet or how yeah, often do it, they I how often do simply, they acknowledge that simply to ask people how they handle these situations mm-hmm. you know these are my personal experiences i've never looked at myself as extrovert i've always viewed myself as introvert and then other people view me the other way and not one way is wrong and not one way is right it's just me exploring my views of myself. Mm-hmm. And so to help the audience understand, like, I'm still going through these things. Yeah. <laughs> like, we might go into topics where I'll know a little bit more about emotions than you, and you'll have more experiences that you'll know more about than me. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, like, these are just things that we've experienced. We've stopped. We've taken the time to analyze and realize how it's affected our lives. Yeah. And that's simply all I want our audience to do. Yeah, is absolutely. just stop with experiences to learn from, to take the logics from it mm-hmm. and ask themselves like how it makes them feel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, like imagine not even having this vocabulary like introvert, extrovert or, you know, feeling thinker like not even knowing that there is a dichotomy like just being someone who just has all of this um you know internal stuff going on but doesn't know how to vocalize it um and so that's also what we're kind of hoping to do like i think a lot of this jargon is getting out into the ether a lot more uh now thankfully um but you know as much as we can open it up and like maybe introduce some of this stuff to people that have never heard about it before um and you know really get people to reflect while they're listening on themselves, you know, huh, have I ever um, felt that way or thought that way? Or why is it that I do think that, you know? Yeah. And I think that's that's honestly just the first step is that eventually you don't have to have the answers on how you do feel about it. Maybe you do, maybe you're someone that checks in on yourself more frequently than others, but typically it's like a muscle. Yeah. You know, you have to work out to get bigger muscles. You have to lift weights. You have to do sports. You have to do whatever it is. You have to train yourself. Absolutely. And so emotions are kind of the same thing that if you are completely disconnected from your emotions to begin with, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be, I guess, putting yourself down for simply not knowing 
Right. Because it it's a step-by-step process. If yeah. we haven't been feeling our entire lives, then taking a step to just maybe ask ourselves, how am I feeling? Yeah. When an event happens, or maybe nothing has to happen, you just take a second and say, how am yeah. I feeling right now? Even, even yeah, without any sort of, like, thing happening. Stimulus, just when yeah. You're at your, when you're at your most calm, if you will, or your most neutral point, you feel like in the middle of the day, those are often the best times to be checking in with yourself and trying to work on that like mindfulness. Uh, yeah. As, as and, far uh, as like a first step kind yeah, of thing, I would sure. agree with that. Um, it's, it's kind of hard if you're, I guess, disconnected Busy from your emotions that, yeah. to be angry and seeing red and then stopping and checking in and be like, you know what, how am I feeling? Like, <laughs> obviously you're, you're upset and you're seeing red, but um, it's, it's harder to kind of stop and check in when you're feeling emotional already. So For sure. Baby steps. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all really important stuff. And uh, we'll just kind of c- continue to keep going and um, talk about ourselves, I guess, a little bit more. Um, if I, you want. Yeah, definitely. I would like to introduce ourselves as hosts i mean, we kind of went on a weird tangent of <laughs> of like george and other people that we know and, yeah but i mean we're and, staying on topic and, yeah uh playground experiences i guess but i, I but really those are all important things on... and like i think i think just on that note like you know people they say living in the past can bring about hardships to people like if it's something you're dwelling on and stuff like that but if you can take the time to think about just as many positive memories Agreed. as negative, like you would never have issues like that. Not never have issues, Not but never. definitely. But it's, of that, it's of a that sense nature. of balance that yeah. I think, you know, in our lives, we can look at negative and we can look at positive. Mm-hmm. And typically with news stories and social media, there's a lot of negativity to draw awareness nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's it's not necessarily a bad intention yeah. to make you feel negative, right. but the simple act of everyone drawing awareness to negative aspects in life mm-hmm. it can bring about a lot of negative thoughts in your everyday life. So Absolutely. if you're constantly thinking negative thoughts, then you're constantly feeling negative feelings. Yeah, um, totally. It, it, we'll go into more of like sciences late in later podcasts, mm-hmm. but essentially the general idea is when you feel something, your body chemistry is changing, whether it be brain chemistry and what certain chemicals are going to your brain to break down a situation and yeah. even like gut issues and like body chemistry in that sense. There's so much happening in your body when you feel an emotion Mm-hmm. And emotions essentially start with a thought process yeah. that you think something, it triggers an emotion in you, and then your body starts to <laughs> change yeah. and stuff like that. So if you're constantly putting negative thoughts and negative feelings into your body, your body's probably just not happy all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you can reverse that, like you were saying, and put more positive thoughts and thinking of positive memories, then your body is naturally making those happy chemicals to mm-hmm. make you feel better and uplifted yeah. and if you can do that on a regular basis then theoretically you just feel better more time than not yeah like either way it's going to be a feedback loop i think like if you're continually giving yourself positive thoughts like forcing yourself to think positively at first it's gonna like you said help your endocrine system like help your body it's gonna help your mind and then eventually like if you do that enough consciously like it'll just 
instead of negative thoughts being the first thing that come to you, it'll be positive things. Yeah, and then you'll start it'll to build itself. But but it works in the opposite way, and that's the issue. I think is that like the more you allow negative thoughts to be your residing um, thoughts, uh, the easier it's going to be next time for that to happen, oh, and then yeah. the worse it's going to uh, get. So, kind of going off of that to also expand on the audience knowing who I am as a host, I do behavior therapy for kids with autism. And it's essentially the same idea that you're building on small behaviors and doing them at such a repetition that eventually they become just a habit. Mm -hmm. And so when people think of me working with kids with autism, they think that I'm some God sent or saint for working and having this patience, but essentially if you break it down to its basic core, they're humans too. They have the same human bodily functions and they might be delayed in certain aspects and accelerated in other aspects, Mm -hmm. but essentially they're people. And so through psychology, we know how the brain works. We know, you know, certain aspects of philosophy on how people react as well so through behavior therapy i think you hit the nail on the head there saying that like small behaviors leading up to habits Mm -hmm. leading to skills leading to you know and just just, growth and development oh yeah Yeah. and so creating a lifestyle that's based off of positivity as us as adults we can take the same behavior therapy that i teach and that i've studied Mm -hmm. and apply it to us as grown adults that we kind of forget how we had these behaviors and habits to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, maybe something I could add that would tie everything that we've talked about together so far, like our upbringing and like what brought us to this point in our lives, as well as what you're talking about now is this idea of taking small steps and like the willingness to take small steps. um, Because I think, the issue is uh, we live in kind of a world of instant gratification. Like that's just such an easy thing to market. Um, if you're, if you're a entrepreneur or something like ideally every invention or new thing like Netflix, anything you come up with is going to uh, sell better if it's can provide something instantaneously rather than how long it usually takes. And so we're kind of uh, fed to believe that like instant gratification is a crucial Thing to have oh yeah well it's it's a it's a physical reward yeah. we can actually pinpoint when it rewarded us when it's short term yeah. you know that's true gratitude gratification or whatever but there's some things that obviously can't come <laughs> that quickly like oh, personal yeah. growth and so we're just being conditioned less and less to be uh competent or i don't know like capable enough to like carry out steps like that in, in slow transitionary, uh, means, you know? Um, and so to tie it all together, I would just say like, what, what do you think it was through those years of school for us? Like we kind of, we were definitely friends through all through elementary school. Um, we, I think we had like most classes together. Honestly. Yeah. So if you're thinking about the American school system and how it works, it's like first or I guess kindergarten through fifth grade for us is all one classroom, one teacher. Mm -hmm. You may be split off to like a reading group. Yeah, right. Or maybe you split off from the teacher to go to recess and PE, but essentially you just have one teacher that manages what, like 
30 I don't want to say sometimes. 20 kids. That seems like a lot, but that's what it seems like. Yeah, it could even be more. Like, our last class was a fourth, fifth grade split. Oh, yeah. Two. See, I even forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> it was. So, I when mean, you think about the American. A lot American, of respect for teachers, for sure. Yeah. When you think about the American school system, at least in the region that we grew up, it was me and Evan from like first to fifth grade had. I think, I think every single class. I had Dietz in mm-hmm. third grade, did yep. you? I had Cooper. Cooper and then Bracamontes. Yep. So yeah, we had every single single teacher, every mm-hmm. single classroom that we were in every day of the week that we went to school. Yeah. For five whole years. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we were one of the smarter group of kids. <laughs> when you mentioned a, a memory of like vocalists, it, yeah. it brought me back to I think it was Cooper's class. We were in fourth grade. Did they did they do that in that we class were, too? The uh, lists? N- no, it was it was a math thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Miss Cooper had written something on the board, and I think it had to do with like negatives or division regarding math. Negatives, it was yeah. regarding math, and me and you went up to the front of the class and corrected her. And she was what? like, "Wow, look at this! You guys taught me something." I don't remember and that one. Let me just say right away, that's super sad. <laughs> Fourth, Fourth grader. graders are teaching your Man. class. Yeah. <laughs> that's oh. the first thing I want to point out. But also, I, th- I think that it was <laughs> just like a memory for me that we undervalue kids mm. in our society. Or under-recognize we, or something. Under-recognize like or there. we just look down at them. Just the same aspect of how we view autism as someone with a disability. Mm-hmm. Is that for kids, it's like, what do they know? Yeah. You know, you're just a little kid. Right. And as adults, we can be wrong. And in this society, I notice more people getting emotional and angry and reactive when I correct them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to correct them out of like proving that I'm smarter than you. Mm-hmm. I just want to show you, hey, there was a mistake. This is how it can be changed to help your life better in the future yeah but i think we're so used to also internet trolls yeah. that will go and just make fun of people <laughs> that just it's our natural enjoyment. reaction to get defensive when someone corrects us yeah or attacks you or you feel like yeah. it's an attack or if it's somebody criticizing like an opinion but you hold that opinion as like part of your identity a belief system and identity yeah. i don't remember a, who it yeah, was but we part. had some teacher that kind of painted it that way as like your beliefs should just be like these floating bubbles out there, not like attached to you, but they should just be things you can pop and like blow up in a different time. Like kind of painted it that way. Like you shouldn't hold your opinions as like a true part of your identity. If you, if you can, you know, obviously like your identity, um, like sexual identity and ethnicity and things like that. Those aren't opinions, but like, yeah, those those are, are those are things that people can attack that do that are attacked. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm talking about, yeah, things just like, political opinions even like anything of that nature like anything should be open uh for criticism if it's you know and anybody should be able to ideally talk about it criticism i think holds a negative connotation but people should just be able to have a conversation Mm -hmm. you know people think of criticism as like i'm telling you what you're doing wrong Mm -hmm. rather than having a conversation where it's like let me show you a different perspective yeah so i guess criticisms are more for like art artful things like things that you're working on something that could logically be fixed yeah exactly and and i think that that's 
an important distinction that criticism should come that from should be a in the logical of, place. Yeah. yeah, it should be like, hey, a realm of I've logic noticed, than... you know, you're, I don't know, you're trying to paint this painting. Yeah. Might I suggest using this color this instead of this color? Or yeah, anything it, like it that. It could even be like a personal opinion, but it's like a logical... A logical hey, fix. Fix this, yeah. Like it's if not your a goal, if system. your goal is to do this, this is the best way to go about yeah, it. Yeah, like, it's it's that's not the like a, logic, here. Yeah. Let me tell you what God to believe in, and I'm going to criticize your God because that's a belief system. There's not really any logic behind it. Mm -hmm. It's if you think about belief systems, they're all based off of emotions as well. Mm -hmm. They're based off of how certain information makes us feel. Yeah, and if we can connect with that information then it makes us feel good and we run with that information. That's a belief system. For that's, sure. And that's honestly, if we're going into things that I want to talk about in this podcast is I want to talk about science as a belief system as well. Hmm. Because instead of taking our bodies and asking how we feel, and checking in and what hurts in our body and where it hurts in our body, we just know, you know, maybe my leg hurts and I don't, I don't know why it hurts. It just my leg hurts. And so we go to a doctor to tell us what's wrong with us hmm. rather than taking the time and maybe feeling into our leg and what exact is it like my knee that mm -hmm. hurts. That shooting pain is into it like a sharp thigh? pain versus throbbing pain? Like yeah. there's different and ways so to like categorize those these kinds things. of things. We can tell the doctor, and the doctor says, you know, it could be this based off of my experience. It could be this, mm -hmm. but instead, it's like we hold these doctors on a pedestal, as uh, I might get beaten up for this, as Christ. <laughs> we're here to be, we're here it, to be it, controversial. Yeah, so don't shy away. To religion. Christ is held on this pedestal and we worship him. And I feel like it's the same for doctors. We understand they've gone to school. They, we understand that they've done all of this research, but medical diagnoses, 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 I think are, are held as like truth. the truth. Yeah. It's not an option that it could be. So when the doctor is in turn wrong for diagnosing you, incorrectly we get mad at them mm -hmm. it's not the doctor's job to tell you what's wrong with you it's the doctor's job to take the symptoms that you've given them and come up with options on what it could be right so when it comes to science it's basically held as a religion as well you're talking about in you, the medical field or just overall in, in the medical field well i mean even in the whole overarching world of science as most people believe because mm. i know me and you have talked about this before where science traditionally is a process mm -hmm. to finding information it's like a method when we think about science nowadays we think it as a field of study as fact mm. as as laws basically mm. that you know the law of gravity is it that is science and it's like the study to finding laws of gravity yeah. is the science. Right. Yeah. I, um, I've also had that kind of confliction with like the word science having a meaning for two different things. It's like science is the word we use to describe the body of knowledge of everything in the natural world. It's like, okay, so like just a plant decaying, that's science or like a star uh, yeah, just it, dying, that's science. But like it science, is what it is. but <laughs> science is also 
the word for a method like it's a noun and a verb i guess is what i'm getting at and that can be confusing because you can critique it on different ways and people can just say no like you can't critique science it's just the method um or you could you know say what you're saying about okay so yeah to kind of expand on that just like spirituality and religion they're tools to experiencing this lifetime yeah it's not always this and always that Mm-hmm. In the realm of science, as most people think about it, we're given laws and things that happen as fact when yeah. they happen 90% of the time. So that means there's a 10% of the time where there's some, we call them miracles, where, you know, maybe we give someone two weeks left to live. Mm-hmm. I've been here in caregiving experience too. We'll give elderly people or people with I knew a lady with MS that given two weeks left or two months left to live and she lived for two more years Hmm. so there's like miracles that happen outside of fact we call them miracles but essentially if you think of science as a measurement to how we experience life you won't be angry or surprised when the 10% happens Mm. because we hold like going back to the original conversation, we hold science as a religion, as a belief system that Mm. science told me this happens. So it's going to happen a hundred percent of the time. Hmm. And when it doesn't, we're like, Whoa, wait a second. Yeah. And really science is a measurement to help us humans understand the environment and maybe predict it easier Mm. But it's not uh, 100% of the time. Yeah. If it was 100% of the time, then we could... We'd be predicting the future. In fact, predict the future because yeah. everything would be consistent. Well, I would say, I mean, I I definitely agree that science isn't right 100% of the time. Um, and like what you're describing as miracles, you know, these things where like it seems to contradict what our knowledge tells us is going to happen, especially in the medical field. Um, But I would say that my view on that all is that science, unlike religion, kind of has the luxury of not having to be right 100% of the time. You know, like um, in science, people want scientists want to be proven wrong because then they can update their beliefs and they view, they view their body of knowledge based off of things that actual experiments and measurements tell them. Um, I think rather than the way religion goes about it, which is just taking someone's word as truth. And I think science is more about finding objective truths about the world. And when it comes to humans and psychology, like that's, I think where the biggest gaps in science are. And that's where, you know, when we're talking about subjectivity and emotions and spirituality and all that, like that's, that's kind of that void that fills in that blank in my mind. Anyways, there's this huge gap in our understanding and knowledge of um, subjective experience from what science can tell us because science is so used to studying the objective world. Like science is great at figuring out what happens out in outer space. It's great at measuring, measuring physics and physical laws. Um, The human body though also is very complex. And so I'm not, I have a harder time, I guess, refuting science as a practice just for something being wrong or a prediction being missed because it's it's built into science that you're not going to get 100% of your things right, I guess. Like science is about trying to obviously get to that 100%. It's about establishing enough knowledge. But I do agree that people tend to... Um, 
worship it as a religion in the sense that they'll say, well, I've like a scientist told me that like, this is true or a scientist or like, this is what the science says, but they don't do enough research because there's a ton of articles that will cite science or like the science of, you know, this or that. And because they use the word science, like people just assume it to be true. So I would say the word itself has been used as a weapon to sell things that can be false. Um, Well, and even like we are talking about the other day is even in the realm of facts and logic, you can frame any fact you want to support your argument. So it's like you can lie with statistics. Yeah, you can logically argue around anything. Yeah. And this is like my belief system in where spirituality and feeling comes from is where I was saying science and spirituality are essentially tools to measure our own experience. One is based on the logical, the even external, sometimes internal functions of the body, but it's very logical. Hmm. The other is the feeling. Okay. You can't have a human experience without feeling into your experience. Yeah. You can't have a human experience if you don't know what makes you happy, what makes you sad. You can go about it with logic all you want. Yeah. And you could go about it with only feelings all you want, but eventually you need a middle ground. Yeah. And so that's why I say science and spirituality are tools rather than absolute facts. Mm, absolute or... facts. Well, and I... that is the way it is. Yeah. I suppose that's I suppose that's true in that sense. I I guess the other way I would kind of the other way I've interpreted it is that science is more about trying to find objective truths about the the natural world, like things that would exist whether humans are here or not. But religion and spirituality and things like that are more about discovering personal truths, things that like science can't tell us because it's so subjective. It's not objective. I couldn't agree more. And honestly, that's what I want to dive into is that aspect in this podcast there's a ton of talks about science these days there's a ton of talks about oh, what yeah. the latest science tells it but you I, can think, re- I think we literally have internet google at our handheld devices 24 7 in our pocket like we can logically figure anything out all the time right but how often are we given the opportunity <laughs> to hear to, about subjective experiences to go from into people. ourselves yeah yeah, yeah. or it's ourselves. not even if you go into you know politics or you see advertisements it's yeah. here. Let me tell you what's good for you. Right. That's how most politicians and advertisement and commercial and media how go nowadays. Yeah. It's not here. Here's a thing. How does that information sit with you? Mm-hmm. We don't really teach ourselves to analyze. You know what? How does this information make me feel? Yeah. Do I like it? Do I dislike it? And well, then I taking would, it a step further, what do yeah. I want to do with me liking it or not liking it? Mm, yeah. And I would say, you know, since this is the podcast, I would just like to pause and just ask you, the listener, like, how are you feeling right now? We've talked about um, quite a few different things. We've talked about like childhood memories and like art, how maybe education system has influenced us so far, which we're, we'll, we will for sure talk about more. Um, but yeah, how are you feeling right now? Like listening to this, um, thinking about these things about, you know, personal truth versus objective truth. Like what is the role of spirituality or, you know, religion in our modern age when it seems to be so dominated by science? Like, is there still room for it? Like, what is the purpose of it? Um, 
but not just those types of reflections. Like truly, how are you feeling? Like how, how would you paint it to somebody? I think that there's many layers to feelings as well. Just like there's many layers of facts that we can lay on to Mm -hmm. support our argument. There's many layers of feelings. So there's, I guess if you're going down to the most basic and you're just figuring, figuring out about feelings right now and how they affect you, just ask yourself, what is the state of being that I'm feeling for myself? Maybe you're happy. Maybe you're sad. Don't try to break it down as to why. Just ask yeah. yourself, Super what general. are you feeling? Keep it general as early And then you on, can yeah. take it a step further and you say, you know, aside from my state of being, you apply an event to it. So I'm listening to a podcast right now. How do I feel with the activity that I've chosen for myself? Is this activity making me happy? And then you expand a little further and you focus in on the podcast itself of I'm listening to a podcast. There's information being given to me, whether it be science, spirituality, belief system. How does this information make me feel? Yeah. And so there's there's so many different layers of what you can feel into. But like maybe it's nothing to do with the podcast at all. It's maybe yeah. You know, I am listening to a podcast sitting here, but maybe instead of sitting in my room listening to a podcast, I want to go outside and listen to a podcast. And so asking yourself about your environment, Mm -hmm. asking yourself, am I thirsty? Just that right there. I'm sure there's like half of the people listening to this podcast like, oh man, you know what? I do need a drink of water. I haven't thought about it. I've been so... Their my, angelic my, voices have been carrying me away and yeah. lulling me into this <laughs> tranquil state of... One of my favorite things is to tell people like... Uh, yeah, have you ever thought about your own blinking? Yeah, I have before. And then, only and then when... you're like, oh shit, now I can't yeah. stop thinking about each blink I take. Yeah, it's it's so weird how the mind works. Like you can just force people to think about whatever you want. Yeah, but we're hoping to use that for the for the better here. Like, <laughs> yeah, think I'm about. Not gonna, I'm not gonna get inside your mind and make you think make you think things that you don't need to. It's not subliminal messages, but it's simply think. Ask, feel yeah <laughs> think about breathing right now <laughs> subtle. that's the worst because then you're Keep like oh shit i can't stop thinking about my breathing dude it's weird like when i've uh i've had like almost panic attacks before and that's exactly what it is it's like you're supposed to work on your breathing and focus on it but like if you can't breathe and like you find you're having trouble breathing that's interesting it's because... such a it's such a conflict and it's it's one of those feedback loop things again. Like, Yeah, that's really interesting because I've met quite a few people with panic disorder or anxieties, mm-hmm. and they always focus on their breathing. And yeah. actually, I would say dive into that because yeah. to me, breathing is like the almost the greatest expression of life. It's that I'm here and to, I mean, also for my podcast listeners and to know a little bit about me i study qigong and i meditate all the time what is qigong just give me the qigong I'm not even okay sure. so if if you know anything i know like, i just assume oh, everybody okay. so knows, for, doesn't like know. the listeners yeah it's uh, if anyone has like any idea of like tai chi um like a moving it, meditation it's a moving meditation without it's, other objects i guess to some people it would look pretty hippie-ish and it looks like you're in in the uh movements of fighting but it's really slow yeah and essentially it's all 
energy-based. It's all intention-based. It's all feeling-based. So you go into... I'll just do an exercise with my listeners right now. The most basic Qigong exercise, and I'll just break it down. Qi, Q-I is the way it's spelled. Um, Qi is given many different names depending on what philosophy you follow, but in Qigong, Qi is life force. It is energy. It is the things that fuel us on a daily basis that we don't think. It's not the logical matter. It's not, you know, the things that make us substance. Mm -hmm. It's what makes that substance move. It's the soul. It's Mm. the life force. And then gong, G-O-N-G, is the skill. It's the act. It's the doing. The action. Yeah, it's the action of what you're doing. So qigong is life force action. Like moving the energy. It's moving that energy. It's focusing the skill of energy. And what is the the goal? To get it like evenly dispersed throughout your body or to like harness it in one place? I would, yeah, I would actually argue that those are the wrong ways to go about it. Okay. The goal is simply to feel. Hmm. The goal is a state of being. Um, okay. So once, it is like meditation in that sense. Like people it, it, yeah, who try to find the goal of meditation are but kind of missing. When the you point. get yeah. to certain levels, your goals will change. So eventually, yeah, your goal will be to balance yourself. Will be to um, work on certain areas for certain things that you want to work on for working on enlightenment. But until you get to those points, I would even argue like don't even focus on th- those things work on qigong for a state of feeling and knowing yourself Hmm. so as like a small little exercise to get people going you're gonna hold your hands up like you're uh i don't know like you're not behind a microphone right now yeah like Like there's nothing in the way mime and you're gonna put your hands out but instead of hands out Turn your palms towards each other Mm -hmm. at about like shoulder height shoulder width you have your elbows at like a rather acute angle it's not like you're yeah trying to keep i mean it stiff. doesn't have to be like absolutely perfect when you're when you're starting and yeah. you're and you're just trying it sure. and what you're basically gonna do is you're gonna move your hands in with mm-hmm. a, a, an exhale and you're gonna inhale with expanding your hands back out to oh. shoulder length so you're gonna go in with your exhale and you're gonna come they're not gonna touch they're just going to be maybe an inch away, maybe a couple inches away. And you're going to inhale and you're going to pull them back out to shoulder width. And you're basically, it's an ebb and flow. It's not, you know, sharp movements. It's not yeah. bring it in and bring it out. It's but have it match your breathing. And match your breathing yeah. and it's flow. It's chi. And eventually, at some point, some people can't feel it right away because they don't they don't feel in general. So it's a sense of starting out and understanding your feeling. Eventually you'll feel inside the center of your two hands. Imagine you're fluctuating a ball Mm. or maybe there's rubber bands um, on each knuckle and you're stretching them and you can feel the force of going out and breathing with it and going back in and releasing and exhaling. And Mm -hmm. then, you're just matching your breath. You're going fairly simply slow. Mm-hmm. 
and it's just to get a sense of feeling. But you're saying as far as like your mental space during all this, like you should be trying to visualize something between your hands, ideally, or I I would say, what what should one be thinking about? So yeah, if you're going into more of the meditation feel of it, because I mean, I could say like you're doing not, just standard like sitting still meditation. It's supposed to be about just controlling your thoughts. It's about feeling. But, so but there, this is it, more there about is feeling, no logical thought. And when you say that, most of the time, people panic. People are really? like, "Oh man, like how do you just block out your thoughts?" Um, I guess I should have started it going back a little further. For <laughs> that's why <laughs> meditation I'm here. Keep you on purposes, track. if you're gonna try and block out your thoughts it's the, it's the wrong approach to begin with right um my girlfriend has a really good way of describing it that when you're meditating your thoughts are like clouds and imagine you know you're you're just watching clouds pass yep and each thought is a cloud there's a lot of clouds in the sky and at some point There are certain clouds that you want to focus on. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, maybe there's too many clouds in the way. So with thoughts being clouds, if you're just staring straight up into the sky. Laying on your back on a nice nice shady piece of grass. Just imagine yourself relaxing. Um, And your clouds will come into your view and they'll block your thoughts. And you can't move those clouds. You can't push them aside but the point is to let the cloud pass without focusing on without judgment either without judgment without trying to shove it to the side without saying you know you're a bad thought get out of here let the thought come in if it comes in and distracts you from what you were looking at that's okay yeah forgive yourself say oh you know what i i was distracted from the thought that i wanted to acknowledge focus it on. but don't get hung so up you just on say it. okay yeah. thank you for coming into and saying hello little cloud if that's what you want to call it right and then just let it pass yeah let so, the clouds come in and pass until eventually the clouds just aren't as thick yeah you can let them pass through your mind you don't have to focus on them they can be there more frequently some days depending on your emotional level yeah true but eventually through training those clouds will pass so as it comes to qigong and the exercise we just went through i would argue that there is no goal there is no logical thing that you should be thinking of Mm -hmm. if thoughts come in again like clouds let them pass but what you want to be focusing on is the feeling between your hands okay when you get to a certain level, you'll start to realize, and they, they say to do it about a hundred times. Okay. In That's the next question I was going to ask is like how long roughly starting it's, off. Yeah. When I'm saying you're starting out, I'm not saying like, you know, you're go an amateur. do this right. and practice it exactly a hundred and keep the count a hundred times. Like it's not a science. It's a feeling. Yeah. And after Stop a while, being scientists. <laughs> God. I'm trying to logically break down a feeling exercise. So yeah. it's, it's tough to talk about, but you're going to do it about 100 times, and you'll want to keep up the exercise. Some people will feel it earlier than others. More sensitive people to either feelings or energies will feel it sooner. Mm-hmm. But eventually through this exercise, you'll start to feel a force field mm-hmm. in your hands. Hmm like a ball that you're fluctuating and, expanding and it's not and a stuff. physical ball. It's not like a basketball that doesn't indent. 
It's an energy ball. It's like if you were to take water that doesn't have any form, it was free-floating water, and you could pull it and stretch it and push it back in. Okay. It's, it's an energy. It's an ebb and flow. So, and that's kind of the beginning exercises of it just feeling yeah. your own energies. Okay. Again, this is more of a spiritual approach, and we already kind of went through the more logical, science-y behavior therapy stuff of how mm. to break down your own emotions by simply just asking. Yeah. But another exercise is the spiritual approach because it's yeah. again it's a feeling yeah it might not be an emotion that you think you're feeling it might but it's not be something you can measure right away or quantify and that's the stuff i want to start talking about yeah talking about and studying is so um, we we go through the logics in our everyday life let's take a step and start focusing on our feelings acknowledge the breathing and all that um yeah so i mean I would encourage anybody listening to definitely try that out, try that exercise out. And just to paint, like, just to kind of sum up that entire exercise <laughs> you just gave real quick. Um, so, like, when I first started learning how to meditate, like, I would I would do those similar types of things. And then, like, I would try to think about not thinking, you know, like you said. And it's, it's hard. Which is, yeah, it is hard. And, uh, like, doing that exercise... Like I visualize myself, okay, doing this and kind of being calm at first and thinking about my breath. And then maybe like a thought about being like Bruce Lee channeling, you know, from a movie I saw and like thinking about the scene in a movie while I'm doing this, this exercise. And what you're saying is like, if that thought comes into my head, I need to just take a step back and pause and say, oh, like I just had a thought about Bruce Lee when I'm supposed to be focusing on this energy between my hands. Like that's literally what like the dialogue I had to go through to realize it. And so instead of letting that thought come in and that, or that memory or that um, thought to something else come in, you know, acknowledge that it happened like a passing cloud and um, appreciate it for its time, but then let it go and refocus your energy on that space between your hands, like you're saying. And um, to, to go off of that cloud analogy that you painted um what i've heard it how i've heard it described is you know even if it's a big storm cloud and you think it's like taking up the entire sky or it is taking up the entire sky like take it as a cloud still like you can still lay and watch it pass like watch it move watch it watch it change watch it float beyond you you know even if it's something that seems to be predominating the entire thing and it's dark and oh, whatever yeah and you know? i would actually argue if, if people are wanting to get more into meditation and actually just sitting with their feelings and going into that, sometimes those big, dark, scary thunderclouds, you, know the ones. you you think you're like, oh yeah, you know what, I'm going to sit and I'm going to try and focus on like happy feelings. Right. But sometimes just those lay there under thick, the cloud, dark, like, just scary thunderclouds are the ones to be focusing on. Yeah. Sometimes we don't take the time to acknowledge our dark parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And as we go into these podcasts, this was a little bit more of a lighter intro and talking about like emotions, how they apply to us, but yeah. going into more ideologies here, the dark parts of ourselves are the emotions that we don't dive into. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that end up causing problems should they go left unchecked. Right. Those are the ones they'll just that linger. When, you know? when you hear typically about emotions, you think of bottling up. And I'm just going to keep expanding on that, that when you feel a bad feeling, whether it be upset 
or angry, yeah. you're like, no, I don't want to feel that. And so you go and you put it in like a swear jar. You put it in a bottle <laughs> yeah. and you Forget think of it, it like water. It's it's a feeling. It's free flowing. So it's like water. You put it in a bottle. Put that crappy river brown water in a bottle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not. It. It's, it's like not a science water. project that you just kind of forget about. Yeah, exactly. You just leave in the bag. But you feel the bad feeling and you're like, oh, I don't want that. And you go and you store it in the bottle. And then another bad thing comes up and you, oh, I don't like that. You put it in the, bo- the same bottle. Mm-hmm. You, another event comes up. You're, oh, I don't like that. You put it in the same bottle. And eventually you do that so much that again, like Before, you water know, or like is just air, overflowing yeah. with water. It, there's so much pressure that's built up in it. It's not, it's not like a a fixed object that doesn't fluctuate. The bottle with the air or the water, that free flowing energy, it has to get out at some point. Yeah. And so you've put so many negative, bad feelings in there. That when you go to open it up the next time, or maybe not by choice, it explodes on you. Yeah. And that's the physical representation of you exploding on someone or that tipping point when, you know, maybe too many bad things, small things have just happened today. Like, uh, I woke up this morning and I spilled coffee on myself and so I had to change my outfit and then and it didn't I, like make you explode but like it didn't you just, make you explode you got frustrated and you yeah. yep. and then you just and go then on you your day go and... out to your car and it's winter we and all so know there's this feeling ice that you gotta <laughs> scrape off your car maybe people in like florida don't understand this <laughs> yeah right i was just <laughs> thinking really like man, southern region, california but, uh, i don't know anyone that they can relate to maybe your car doesn't start there's this thing called snow it <laughs> sticks to your windshield it makes it icy <laughs> yeah so you know you poured your coffee on yourself you had to get changed you go out your car won't start. You get your neighbor to jump your car. You're on your way to work and you hit every single red light. And none of oh these things God. are going to make you explode, but it's another thing that you put in that bottle yeah. until eventually you get to work and you're asked to do something by your boss that you don't want to do and you give it to your boss. You're <laughs> like, you know what? I come into work every single day. Why can't you give it to Joe who's always slacking? And it's like, it's those kind of explosions that that's a very small thing mm-hmm. that when you relate it to the events and that low led risk to this in that podcast, case, but... yeah, that when you start doing that with things of racial issues or social injustices to bring it and all you back. bottle it up and yeah. this, this, and this, then you go to protest <laughs> and then peacefully at first, maybe pe- peacefully is what it seems like. And you've been bottling it up until your bottle's ready to explode. And, and then, then you get the sun goes down show and then... up in SWAT gear. That's yeah. all it has to take. Maybe they're not even like being aggressive. They just show up in SWAT gear and you're like, they're ready for a fight. Like here goes right. my bottle and it explodes again. This can go on the other end for cops. Yeah. Whereas, you know, they show up to work and knowing everybody hates them already everyone yeah in this day and age everyone hates them as it is so maybe they pull someone over and they're just really non-compliant no nah, i don't need to give you my license what do you what do you mean it's my first amendment right i don't even maybe oh, i apologize <laughs> i don't know my rights but but that's like the point people will just go argue just my rights. <laughs> somebody could just bust into my house take all yeah. my shit and i just might not be able to hold me at gunpoint it. it's my second amendment right even though you have the gun i know that right anyway there you go you you're a cop you go to pull someone over you're just doing your job you're not trying to antagonize this person 
assuming this is a good person cop mm-hmm. and they're being non-compliant. It really just agitates you. You get a call about a homeless person in a park that you got to go scare away. And this is a homeless, dirty person that maybe they're agitated as well because society has screwed them over. So right. they take it out on the cop. And so that's just it's another like we, thing to add to it's the like, bottle. Yeah. And there's so many people with so many different bottle collections walking around. Like, oh, yeah. Any it, two of them clinking together can just cause these micro explosions, which just cause bigger ones. Oh, yeah. It's like a chain And so reaction. when you keep going on these theories of adding to the bottle, eventually you'll get to the point to where maybe there is a person of minority or different race and it's a white cop and he's just had it with all of the people that's treated him really bad this day or this week or this year or who knows how long he's been a cop. Yeah. And then he goes to do a simple pullover with someone who has a gun and maybe they're not using the gun this person of minority or maybe it's maybe has nothing to do with a gun whatsoever but the point is that the cop is overstressed Mm -hmm. added way too much to his bottle and then he explodes on this person or she or she yeah i mean we're all humans it could be yeah the cop explodes on i think men do have a higher tendency though looking at the statistics of it um, well, yeah, and it's, but for it sure. comes again to social roles of yeah. like you're a man, you man up, and these are all and things you go to females, and it's like yeah. big girls don't cry, so we've been taught to not deal with our all emotions. People. Yeah, and these are all, I mean, these are all things we're going to dive into. I know for sure in more depth in specific episodes, like we're trying to paint a broad picture of where we stand um, as well. We can definitely keep going. Um, yeah, um, we're hitting about an hour now, so I would like to wrap it up. I don't want, like I said, I don't want the listeners to have to listen to a full-on movie. But right, yeah. There's a few things I want to talk about as well. For sure. So continue your ideas. Um, yeah, I was just going to quickly say, um, first of all, since we are going to be talking about some of these issues, these uh, super modern issues uh regarding race and everything i would just like to point out since this is an audio podcast i am certainly not a minority i'm speaking (laughs) from a uh white straight male perspective and so um i'm i'm gonna be open-minded to anyone we bring on for sure um and like i'm i'm gonna give my perspective based on how i've been brought up and the types of people i've met and just kind of be open-minded about it as possible that's super important to point out um i'm i'm half mexican so i was just gonna like, ask like I'm, what do you identify as really i i, I look super white yeah so Not i super white I'm, i mean you have the thick black i mean when mane it comes and everything. okay but when it comes to societal rules i fall into the white male and i can't really even say that i was super poor so I was like, kind of middle class. Middle class, yeah. I, I never had to struggle Same, I for guess. food. Yeah, there were things obviously I couldn't afford, and I couldn't afford to go do because I didn't have <clears> the funds. But I had a roof over my head. I had food every night. Yeah. So it was like, I I'm privileged. I yeah, will say that absolutely. right away. But yeah. when it comes Same. to acknowledging our experiences, let's just put this right out into the open. We are not discrediting anyone else's experiences. We're not saying 
that because you are black and you've dealt with racial issues and you've added to your bottle that it's wrong to explode because these are emotions yeah. that are justified. They're a feeling and the feelings come up from when things happen to us. Yeah. The wrong part in my brain is not managing those emotions in the first place. Regulating I hesitate on saying control and managing because there mm. are things that happen to us that we don't necessarily have control over. Yeah. We have control over our reactions. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to speak to the minority crowd here in saying that race, racism is real. Racial injustices Absolutely. are real. Yeah. And being angry about it is valid. Perfectly valid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not have anything... you ever I just want to quickly ask, have you ever experienced that? Like the fact that you are half Hispanic, but you I don't mean, appear okay, that way? So it's like um I took a, but your last a course name and it was called like micro racism or something like that. Hmm. And so it's the In equivalent college? of when you it's not a bad intention. It's yeah. just it it is racist down to its core, but it's not like the person is trying to be racist because it's a stereotype. Whether it's, it's like whether it's walking positive up or negative. to being a white person, walking up to a black person, and be like, "Wow, you have such a curly fro. Can I touch it?" Right. Like, it's like treating someone like a dog. I mean, like, did can you I see, pet your dog? Did you like, see Key and Peel that or not Key and Peel? Um, Get Out by Jordan Peel. Oh yeah, that yeah, did? yeah. That's what that not entire thing, but. Uh, good portion of it was supposed to be about about those little like those little micro races, micro races. like yeah, oh you must I'm, be good at sports or you must know athletes or, yeah i love that it was just i like love that. tiger woods like yeah, that type exactly. of thing yeah exactly it's those types of things that we don't see as racism because our intention is good but you're but assuming something about racist them. because of the impact that you made on the other person yeah well, you're assuming something about them because of their race. Whether yeah. it's good and or so bad, you're assuming something about them. Your question them. towards me is if I've ever experienced it, we, me and Evan, grew up playing soccer. So me being half Mexican and soccer, it's like the stereotype of, oh, you must be good at soccer. And don't get me wrong, I was. <laughs> I can vouch um, for that. I still am. And I'm white, and I was not as good at soccer <laughs> um, in high school. But no, it's... I've had micro racism, I guess. I've never been like, you know, Targeted walking down the street and someone throws a big gulp at me and says, go back to Mexico, beaner. Like, <laughs> I haven't experienced that. But this, again, that's because I but look white anyway. Yeah. But there's just like there's many levels to facts that we can present and logic. There's many levels of feelings that we can feel. Totally. There's many levels of racism. There's many levels of responsibilities that cops have to do. There's many levels that we just don't think of in general. Yeah. And I'm not justifying, again, actions. I'm justifying feelings. Yeah. People that are minorities and they deal with racism, I'm just going to say on a daily basis yeah. because it is in this country. Um, and it's, it's, it's again, it's not, just, it's not just the throwing cups. It's like, all of those little things adding up and just seeing stories like every yeah. day, like killed because of this or like this happened. It's like, you're constantly walking around with that worry. I'm talking about it. Like I know, but like, that's how well, it's yeah. been expressed to me. Like, you know, it's, it's yeah, every you, single you day. You see someone of the same color skin that gets hung in your hometown. Maybe it didn't happen to you, but that still affects you. Yeah. And I'm justifying your feelings and saying that you have every right to feel the way that you're doing. 
yeah. to take a second to acknowledge the anger. Yeah. Do not bottle it up. Acknowledge the anger and why it's there. Absolutely. And sit with it. Yeah. If you're sitting with it and you're feeling it and you're allowing yourself to understand it, mm-hmm. it it's like stretching before a workout. Yeah. That you're going to prevent injuries during the workout. And yeah. I would even argue doing some exercises of acknowledging how you're feeling during quote unquote during your workout yeah just as much as a stressful event ask yourself be stretching during your workout and and being like what am i doing that you know what is this feeling that i'm feeling how can i change it and then on top of that stretching after your workout yeah um, going through emotional stress management stuff after a stressful event has happened so that you're not taking it home. You're decompressing from it. You're not going to bottle it up and take it home to your wife who, I don't know. Doesn't deserve it. Or... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't deserve it. Maybe it's the traditional stereotype where it's a stay-at-home wife and she didn't clean the house this day. And it's like... Not even the house or just one little thing. But, <laughs> yeah, and but just to clarify what you're saying... Um, when you're saying like sit with it and just acknowledge that anger, is that different than like, because I right, right now I feel like a lot of people do that, but like, and they feel like it's maybe a solo activity, but they'll post something or they'll say something on social media as an expression of their anger. And they feel like that's like a diary type thing, but the entire rest of the world is seeing it. Like, would you say that's probably the wrong approach if you're feeling angry about something in that moment? Um, would you say it need, you need uh, to have more introspection before so you? So many layers that come to this. It, it depends on your understanding of the emotion. Hmm. Most people will react yeah. from a place of emotion. Right. I'm saying be proactive with a place of emotion. Okay. You can express yourself and communicate on Facebook as long as you understand where it comes from. If you are reacting out of anger and posting just to be angry, I I would say that that is wrong. Wrong is a subjective personal opinion. Yeah. But I would say that that does more harm than good. When you see something and you're like, oh, I'm just going to go share this article and I'm going to yeah. show people what because I think ultimately about it. it's going to bring more negativity into your life. hundred percent. Like, yeah. yeah. So, but it's so easy, say, but it's so easy to vent now, like get on the, on the, you know, Instagram story too. And just be yeah. like, yo, I just saw this thing. Like so mad right now and posted and it feels like it's a solo thing it we almost feels... need an app that's like a social thing and it <laughs> looks like it's posting and sharing to everybody yeah. but it's really just going to your own personal it's cloud. going to your own yeah journal yeah because venting and dealing with emotions yourself you can react to motion emotions yeah. and like i said it starts as a thought process but the more socially happens, you do it we think about it it changes our body chemistry so our body is reacting to it regardless Mm -hmm. it's our actions that we react with that i'm trying to draw attention to because you can sit down you can realize why you're angry and when you start to do these exercises you'll start to realize what is the difference in my choices that can either prevent me from feeling this way in the future or that can change my mood currently so that I'm not staying angry at it. Because if we go to the other end of the spectrum, you know, we've talked about not feeling into our emotions too much. We can go to the other end of the spectrum too of 
the bleeding heart liberals, they they feel too much. Too much, yeah. They dwell in their emotions. Okay. But it, that's not necessarily an understanding of it. Mm. That's just you, you know, crying because you're okay. hurt. And it's still a place of reaction. I it's see. It's a place of I'm sad and I'm upset. So I'm going to dwell in it and I'm going to drag in people with me that I'm upset. There's no effort to change your emotion. I see. There's there's a point when you feel something that you have to ask yourself, am I happy with the way that I feel? Yeah. Again, acknowledging it, sitting in these negative emotions is the first step. Yeah. Then deciding, is this a place where I want to be? And then taking the steps to changing your emotions so that you can talk about issues that make you upset from a place of at least calm. Yeah. And maybe you're still upset, but at least you're more calm and you can communicate better and communicate your feelings and your needs in order to feel better. Yeah. But none of that step process is going to happen if you don't understand where this feeling is coming from to begin with yeah you know for sure i like to bring up uh when it comes to politics i'm trying to use each end of the spectrum when it comes to liberal versus conservative yeah because that's again, the other thing we should paint is like we're we, all we see issues on both sides for sure oh, yeah definitely like for we're sure. all humans we all have our belief systems we're all raised differently um so we've talked about black lives matter how your emotions unchecked can lead to riots or the conservative cops unchecked emotions lead to accidents and violence and damage. Yeah. And Um, we're not, we're not necessarily even trying to argue whether or not riots or any of these political movements are are right or wrong. We're just trying to say like, how are they happening and how is that going to affect emotions in the future? These are just aspects of humans that I see. It's not calling out one side and, siding with one side or the other yeah this is just aspects of humanity that essentially for the last month everyone can relate to because everyone talks about it and can check in with themselves and at least be on some sort of side yeah um i have my own belief systems and my own emotions as things come up because guess what i'm a human too yeah but i'm going to talk about things as they happen to people where I disagree with. So when it comes to an aspect going to the conservative side of maybe immigration, Mm -hmm. I like to do this like behavior therapy question kind of thing. Sure. Where we talk about um, conservatives are totally against immigration. I'm not speaking to all individuals that consider themselves conservatives, just the general stereotype and when I start to question people, it's like, well, why why do you hate immigration coming over? Oh, because they're coming over illegally. They're mm-hmm. breaking the law. And I'm like, okay, well, let's take it a step further. Why does that make you upset? Because they're taking our jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, there's hardworking Americans here. And it's like, okay, well, why does people taking jobs away from hardworking Americans or say, yeah. Or like it's like, Oh, working sounds like something that's important to you. Yes. And expanding on that is why does that make you upset? It's like, Oh, because you know, I was raised that in order to make a living, you got to work hard for it. And it's like, okay, well, where did this ideology come from? Like who taught this to you? Yeah. He's like, my father did. And it's like, so then we realize that, from the way that your 
father raised you turned into hating immigrants. Yeah. And through like a small process of asking questions and getting them we can to realize, realize it for yeah, where yeah. the core value comes from. Yeah. Maybe they still hate immigrants continuing on after that. That's but not really my choice, step, but it's like a small we step to about. understanding yeah. where it comes from. Yeah. And that if the person really didn't want to be in this frame of mind, then they can either go to therapy, they can go to meditation, or they can simply communicate with their father of, you know what, I agree or I disagree with the way that you raised me and it's really affected me in this way, blah, blah, blah. And we can unload this burden of either things that we don't like or we can expand with the things that we do like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it, again, it all just starts with understanding your emotions and where they come from to begin with. Yeah. So I guess sitting down with it. Exactly. And, um, I know you want to wrap up, but I just want to quickly ask like regarding everything you've just been talking about in that way. Um, what would you say would be like an ideal world then regarding how we handle emotions? Like, can you paint a picture? Maybe not even the entire world. Let's just say like, say there was like one happy, you know, (laughs) commune somewhere where like everybody was in this ideal um, state of being able to check in their emotions and everything, you know, got fine. Would there still be conflict? Like what would happen when there was conflict? Like, I don't want to make it sound like it would be a perfectly peaceful place, but like, what would it look like in a world where we could all. Well, Evan, (laughs) that's where you have to listen to the rest of the podcast. All right. Um, No, I, I think that that's good to focus on, but again, it's, it's a place that I think is jumping the gun too much. Mm. We're a society that loves our instant gratification, so we want to see that ending first. Mm. But we have to start from a smaller place before we can even imagine what's on the other side of the hill. Really, We have to start mm. climbing the mountain before we can decide where we're going to build our house, where we're going to build our foundation, mm. because maybe on the other side of the hill, it's just as rocky, Mm. or, you know, maybe there's a different hill we should be climbing altogether. So you're saying there could be a downside to this entire, like, regulating your emotion. There could be a downside to planning things before you work through (laughs) a lot of aspects. Just like meditation, just like Qigong. Eventually you can set yourself goals, but we need to start asking ourselves emotions. Um, Based off of my ideologies my game plan, if you want to call it that. We start with our emotions. We start to realize what makes us happy, what makes us not happy. That, in turn, turns into better communication. We're not exploding on each other. We're not coming from a place of reaction. We're coming from calmer place, which leads to just more effective communication to begin with. Yeah. Effective communication leads into more efficient problem solving. Mm. Things just will happen easier when we're less emotionally tied to it and reactive and coming from this place of, you know, it could be good or bad. It could be overly optimistic and just like gung ho and we don't understand where the energy comes from or why the emotion is there. And it can be the opposite. It can be anger and resistance and wanting to fight things. So when we have handled those emotions and we're 
not blowing up on people, we're communicating better, which means we're problem solving better, then we can start deciding what problems need to be fixed mm -hmm. because we can solve them more efficiently. Okay. So right now the That's biggest the obstacle is that we don't even know how to solve problems We don't know what problems need to be solved in the first place. I see. Yeah. Because we're so emotional. I'm going to go on the climate change reign, if that's what you want to call it, is that we're fighting for climate change and to take care of our environment mm -hmm. when humans, stereotypically in this society, don't even take care of their own bodies. Yeah. In America, or their own house or we're their like own, yeah. obese and we can't get it in check, our diets or medical issues or things that we have the power to change about ourselves yeah how are we gonna go make changes for an entire world that houses us mm. and everyone that lives in it yeah. if you can't even take care of yourself right so it's mm. like jumping the gun to say we can go solve all of these problems if we don't know what problems need to be solved in the first place mm. backtracking a hundred percent the point of this podcast is for that. Dive into your emotions. We'll set up scenarios. We'll talk about really emotional subjects. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about our emotions because, again, we're humans. Yeah. What's the point of us telling you to do it if we're not doing it too? Totally. And then maybe we can start working on Bigger other things. goals outside of that totally i but would first we just don't understand ourselves yeah absolutely i mean i would just say right now how i'm feeling after this uh session is um i feel like in a way there's kind of a weight off my chest like i came in like i do with anything regarding public speaking with like kind of a tightness you know in your chest a little bit and like, I know you're a friend and like, this is a super serene, relaxing environment we're in. Um, and but the essentially matter, this, is, this is a speech. Yeah. But you're giving a speech to an audience and yeah, that's nerve wracking. Exactly. And, uh, the, you know, the subject matter is stuff that I'm comfortable talking about. And I feel like I'm, you know, somewhat verbose enough to, uh, to paint it clearly. But, um, at the same time, you know, I have this slight anxiety around it and, um, Right now, I feel like there's a little bit that's a little bit alleviated. Like I can feel my shoulders decompressing. I'm sitting like a little bit more comfortably in my chair. Um, my lungs don't feel so full of air for so much of the time. Like it's weird, like having anxiety or stage fright or any little thing like that. It almost feels like you're always on your last breath. Like your lungs are always like... <sighs> It's an emotion yeah. that triggers a physical reaction. Exactly, and, and so yeah, that's something that's, to that's look into. That's just the physical things I want to point out and like um, encourage everyone to you know when you're listening to things or just going about your day, um, see how your body has changed based on your mood. Like check in with that. Um, and I will just yeah say um, I definitely feel a little bit more alleviated now, especially knowing uh, some of these things you've been talking about. It's it's um, been reassuring but it's also painted a clearer picture to me about what uh our mission can be going forward kind of if and you want to call it that yeah again i'll just repeat this this is probably like gonna be the motto of the podcast is this is the reason we're doing this podcast the theme is for emotions is because my belief system that we can do so much better 
Thank you again, guys, for listening to the first episode of Emotion All podcast series. We are super happy to get this started and off the ground. And please don't forget to give us a follow so you can get alerts on future episodes. We'll be talking about emotions when it comes to our body chemistry and how it changes us as humans. I'll be talking a little bit about my personal experience in behavior therapy and how that relates to emotions, but primarily we would like this to be an interview-based podcast series, so listen for some professionals in their field and just some average Joes to hear what they have to say on stress management and their emotions. All that being said, again, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Don't forget to check us out on Facebook as well. And to find us there, the handle is uh, EmotionAllPodcast. And I believe each one of those words is capitalized. James, anything to add to that? So I guess the last question that we have for you, audience, is how are you feeling?